Hey, y'all, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. This is episode 175, and I'm bringing on Sarah Haggerty, who's offering encouragement for when you feel unseen. With having kids, you have more of the in-between space. You just do because there's nap time and there's tending the house and things you don't necessarily need to do when you're just going, going, going without kids. And it was in those spaces that I started to think, God could not just be calling me to outward impact. I think there's a place of pouring out before his eyes only that is maybe the answer to this like deep craving that I feel this. I mean, I the sort of universal ache of motherhood, I think at times where we can feel deeply unsatisfied and maybe the answer isn't a new season of life. Maybe the answer is that I, I find his eyes on me in the in-between spaces. Sarah's the author of the book, Unseen, The Gift of Being Hidden in a World that Loves to be Noticed. And I don't know if you could relate to what Sarah just shared, but I know that there have been times in my life where meeting everyone's needs on repeat, doing the things that seem quote unquote unproductive or unimportant can be really discouraging. If you're in that place, my prayer is that you can come back to this episode, that you can be encouraged, that God sees that work. And more than anything, you can reframe it as not something that you need to get past or another season you need to move on to, but to embrace this as a hidden time, a time where God is really building into your root system and the fruit that's going to come may not come for years or decades, or you may not even see it in your lifetime, but God is at work. I pray that Sarah's words would reframe those weak or quote unquote failed moments. I also want to encourage you to check out the book promo video in my in the show notes over at godcentermom.com. It is a beautiful video that Sarah has put together and uh, I think I think you will be encouraged by it. I also love how God works in that it perfectly aligns with last week's episode with Lisa Harper, how Lisa said a mature believer uh, isn't concerned about manipulating other people's perceptions of them, but is resting and dancing for the approval of Jesus alone. And uh, you'll see what I mean when you watch that video. Okay, y'all, get excited. You sent in questions. I got the answers. Paul David Tripp coming on the show next week. I cannot wait to share it with you. If you don't know who Paul David Tripp is, he is the author of Parenting 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. If you're a big fan, I want to let you know, outside of just the interview I'm having with him, he is hosting a live stream event on September 29th and 30th. He's giving everyone access to it. Go to godcentermom.com backslash parenting to learn more about this event. I'm giving you the heads up. I want you to be able to tell your pastor, your small group leaders, uh, because there's different licensing fee based on how big your group is. If it's just you and your husband, that's $24.99. Plus, if you like to save money, use the coupon code GCM and you'll get 5% off. So go check that out, godcentermom.com backslash parenting. And if you're busy September 29th and 30th, do not fret. Do not fret. They will give you access to the videos all the way up till October 31st. But I just want to make sure those of you like to plan, that's coming up into September. So go check it out. All right. Let's get to my conversation with Sarah. Here we go. Hey, Sarah, welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, we loved having you on for episode 143. Every Bitter Thing is Sweet was such a good read for me. I think I told you on that episode how Mm -hmm. I just soaked it in like a little at a time and it 
it was balm to some wounds as as I was going through bitter things. And um, you've just been mm. such a kind-hearted person to me over the years. And so I was thrilled for a chance to get to chat with you again because between us, we have 10 kids. So. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, the, like just some chatting with girlfriends when you have 10 kids. It's a luxury. <laughs> <laughs> That's a luxury. And we just didn't. All the things that you once did all the time that you now call a luxury, like showering. That's I mean, true. really. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. So I, I dropped a hint that you have six kids, but would you introduce everybody to your family real quick? Sure. I have um, 13 all the way down to seven months. Wow. So we're like doing, you know, puberty and diapers at the same time, <laughs> I have my, my, which is just. I'm up late and I'm up early and showering is luxury. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do my oldest four. We adopted our first two from Ethiopia. Um, and our second two from Uganda uh, two years later. And then after 13 years of marriage, just kind of had this crazy surprise pregnancy mm-hmm. and had a biological baby. They called that then a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> and then wouldn't you know, three years later, I was like really old and pregnant again. So <laughs> I am, you know, turning 40 in a week and I have a baby. Crazy. Good. Yeah. Crazy. Good. All those years, crazy. which you write about more in yeah. your other book, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet about infertility. Mm-hmm. And for the gal listening, who's that's her struggle. Um, such a good, just such a good word for her, um, to have you walk alongside her. And, and then, you know, I know adoption, it's not, you know, everyone tells you it's not easy and everything hard that comes along with it. Uh, but also so much goodness. And I yeah. love the sweet stories you share in this new book unseen about what God did in you and through you and through them. And just, just his miracle that he does. And, and how their brokenness may look more broken because there's less to hide it. I don't know. I've, going through recovery, I've noticed that. Like mm. some, we always view like the really bad things like alcoholism or drug addiction. as like, oh, well, those people really need help. They really need help. Whereas the same core brokenness is there for me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, just, I just have Amen. more of an ability to cover it up. It's more acceptable. The uh, the skills and the techniques I use to cover up my brokenness. Sophisticated. More sophisticated. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah. But we all have needs and wounds and broken places. Uh, and your message here is Jesus is the answer. That's a, that's the simple. Mm-hmm. That's the simple. But tell that's me more real, about it. Real simple. Real simple. How did you get well, there? Why did you, you know, come to this place where you kind of needed this message for yourself. Yeah, I think I lived it long before I actually had language for it in lots of different stretches of life. And you know how when you keep living something again, but like you're, uh, the landscape has changed, but yet you're living the same thing and you're going, there's a theme. Why is there a theme? I think for me, it maybe started to click actually after we had adopted our second two. So overnight, it really, it felt like we blinked and went from just the two of us to now we had four kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember, actually, I remember a particular day where um, we'd gone to church and lots of interactions with people after church, which which can be a, or could at that time have been a slight challenge for my children that we had just adopted. My mm-hmm. recent two, just because 
you know, it's a lot of people and questions and people, you know, like to ask them questions and it can feel invasive. And one of my children in particular was on the outside, it looked like she was pretty rude, but I knew, man, she was reeling. There was a lot going on in her heart. And I was talking with some new friends and it it did just sort of appear as if she was rude to them. And I got in the car and the first thing I'm thinking is like, oh, what do these people think about me? And, you know, and then I'm thinking they don't understand, like they have their family their way. They don't get my, our makeup. And then I'm like kind of thinking my daughter and her story, it's so layered. And I just felt this nudge from the Lord, you know, ask me what I think of you right now. Hmm. Like, I just felt this invitation. What are my eyes on you? How are, how am I looking at you now? And I think it was really with that second, you know, once we went to four children that I started to get language for what it meant to feel unseen, even though I had felt it in lots of different stretches of life before then, what it meant to feel unseen, what our flesh often does when we feel unseen, which is, I mean, we kind of set up little parties where we go, look at me, look at me, someone, anyone look at me. Someone, I need a little bit of attention. Can... At the end of the day, when your 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 husband comes home and they're like, "Hey, what'd y'all do today?" and instead of it being like what he's actually asking, which is, "What did you do today?" we hear, "What's something productive that you did today?" <laughs> and yeah, exactly. when we're like, "Everything I did was undone," and then I did it again, and it was undone again, <laughs> and then I did it again, and we're about to undo it and eat it, and <laughs> like it's it feels not only unseen but unimportant, unproductive. Yeah. And I think that for me in that stage of motherhood, starting to see that actually I didn't need to wait to get out of that. I think we all, we moms can probably all relate to that, like creeping feeling in the back of our mind. That's like, when do I get to move out of this stretch into another, whether it's like when the kid is potty trained or when I don't have little babies or when I'm sleeping through the night or when my kids are, you know, school age or whatever it is. And I started to go, wait a second, like there is actually an invitation to have God's eyes on me right now you know, in my laundry room and chopping onions at the kitchen counter and eight hours of a day that are undocumented, like he's documenting them, you know, he's seeing them and he actually wants to dialogue with me here. Yeah. And what does that look like for you? Like you, you said you're doing your every day and sometimes we throw out these things like God's with us and he wants to talk with us, but what, like to give the gal listening, cause some, something for her. Yeah, to imagine. yeah, that's great. Yeah. What does that look like? Well, I think of one afternoon in particular, I'm changing the laundry over. I'm, you know, I'm on my knees, like moving stuff from the washer to the dryer and kind of thinking to myself, sort of like you alluded to just this, and I'm going to do this again in three hours and they're going to wear these clothes tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going to see the same clothes back in the washer. Yeah. But I'm also, I'm doing the mom thing that I think many of us do where I've got this ticker tape in my mind of all the, the ways that I've failed hmm. that day. And I, it's not overt, but it's subtle in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, you know, that child just wanted me to read her a book and I kind of pushed her aside because I really just wanted to get the dishes done so I could finally go respond to a few emails Right. or this particular, this particular kid was especially needy, but instead of like coming around him, I was harsh with him. So I'm doing this as I'm changing the laundry over. And I'm thinking like in the back of my mind, it's just that subtle, like I am failing. I cannot do this. And then I just hear this phrase in my mind, which really is his word. But I hear him say to me, I like it when you're weak. Hmm. And that is that St. Corinthians 12, nine or nine twelves. Um, I'm not good with that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, that's Second Corinthians <laughs> twelve nine. My okay. grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Yes. And I just heard, I like it when you're weak. And mm-hmm. and you know, God is saying in Second Corinthians twelve nine, man, I'm made perfect when you're weak. And it was like in that moment, things shifted for me in my heart. Like he see, he, he he not only sees this, but he understands it, and he's not frustrated with me. He's not irritated that I'm struggling here. He's actually very near. And so practically speaking, it was starting to invite God and his word and even just my unfettered thoughts to be exposed before God at times that weren't my 30 minute quiet time in the morning. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that groundedness that can come from the 30 minutes, but the applying it in the moment to moment is where I think a lot of us get hung up and yes, it doesn't feel like, okay, I know there was a season where if I didn't have a quiet time and have some nugget that I could then share online, it didn't really count. Like it wasn't really a good enough quiet time. Or mm-hmm. um, I'm as I'm reading, I'm thinking, well, how, how can I use this for a, a blog post? Or how can I use this? Or, or it could be I'm thinking about a friend and how can I have a word for her? But to just sit with Jesus... <laughs> To just invite him into that moment with the laundry, that is not something that comes to our mind very often. It doesn't. And then we live, you know, so we live these sort of fragmented lives. We sit before him in the morning and then it's like seven hours later, we're, we're, I mean, come on, if we're honest, we're like frustrated and sort of mad at ourselves and coaching ourselves into a better spot and living in our heads and Mm -hmm. reacting to life in front of us or taking like the thousands of opportunities we have in a day to kind of post something and let somebody see us. So we feel like a little bit of validation, like maybe there's a little bit of something coming from my life. And all the while I, I, he's going, Hey, I'm here and I've got great words for you right now. And speak to the gal who like you was involved in a lot of ministry. I mean, you did a lot. You weren't a newer Christian when you became a mom, You'd, you'd been a Christian for a while and you'd, worked with high schoolers and yeah. been a part of doing work for God that was good and noticeable and people were coming to know the gospel for the first time and that transition because I know gals that you know they were involved in young life or they were um on some ministry team or maybe their husband's the pastor and they feel kind of unseen because he gets all the public accolades for his work and they're doing all the behind the scenes stuff what kind yeah. of um, pep talk or encouragement can you give her when she's made that transition? Yeah, I think, you know, um, it's interesting because I think there can be a shift where we then start to go, well, maybe my kids can be the reason mm. like the, the fruit in their lives can be the, the validation that I get for sacrificing behind closed doors and for investing in them. And, but the truth is those of us who have older kids know that, you know, there's seasons of fruit and, and we want long-term fruit, but there's certainly times where it's really hard too. I mean, these are lives, sinful lives that are getting sanctified. That's yeah. not pretty. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the sh- in the shift, I started to find that even, and I kind of had the liberty of having a long stretch without children. And so I started to find that God let me feel that, um, man, even my best ministry efforts weren't actually really satisfying me. Mm. And so then when I shifted to kids, it wasn't like I was then going, oh, I want my kids now to be this 
reason for me slaving away in the unseen moments, I actually started to go, I think there's something more. I think there, there has to be like, what does he think of me scrubbing the grout in my kitchen or in my bathroom floor at, on a Saturday? You know, there are so, I, I guess you have with, with having kids, you have more of the in-between space. You just do because there's nap time and there's tending to the house and things you don't necessarily need to do when you're just going, going, going without kids. Mm -hmm. And it was in those spaces that I started to think God could not just be calling me to outward impact. I think there's a place of pouring out before his eyes only that is maybe the answer to this like deep craving that I feel this. I mean, I, the sort of universal ache of motherhood, I think at times where we can feel deeply unsatisfied and maybe the answer isn't a new season of life. Maybe the answer is that I, I find his eyes on me in the in-between spaces. So good. You talk about being hidden. It, it, it kind of reshapes it. Like it's a purposeful yes. choice that God put us in seasons. I mean, the last year that I've been through of a lot of moments oh, nobody goodness. ever sees, but so much growth with him. And so mm. let's talk a little bit about that purpose behind, like you said, it, it not being an outward pouring where everyone's seeing but there's this privileged hiding moment. Yeah, I, I think as a new believer, I would sort of survey the landscape and go, I want a big tree with a lot of fruit. Like I want to be that opulent tree with a ton of fruit who is cutting across the sky so people can see the glory of God, you know. Um, and I did not ever take notice of the fact that, that the larger a tree grows, the, the roots are actually, the root system is everything. Mm -hmm. And... I feel like, you know, especially as I'm getting older, I'm starting to see the value of the underground. And whereas I used to go this, I resent this. And honestly, I felt resentment. And I'm talking about hiddenness in the hours of the day where nobody was looking, hiddenness behind people not just not getting the dynamics of having a family with children who've been adopted yeah. or their stories, or even just being misunderstood or judged. I mean, come on, in a culture of women, there's just a whole <laughs> lot of judgment. Well, we need more grace know? for each other. Yeah. Yeah, but there we is. Yeah. So, and just feeling like I'm dying underneath here. Somebody, anybody see me. I, I resented that. And I think, you know, if we look at the word of God, there's actually like this grand invitation to this secret abiding, you know, and even, I mean, I think of, is it Matthew six, like the father who sees in secret will reward openly. He is the God who sees in secret. And you know what, if we really mapped out our lives or mapped out a day, a large percentage of our days are unseen. So do we just resent those? Mm. And, and, and grit our teeth through them until we can be seen? Or do we go, wait a second, there's something that you have for me here and I can actually grow here and I can actually thrive and maybe even fall in love with you here, God. Mm. Yeah, I'll quote you to you. You said, God loves to hide us behind circumstances and callings and misjudgments and scorn from even the dearest of friends. He hides us. We may feel veiled and unnoticed, but God is training us to turn our eyes toward him, to find him there. Hidden places aren't signs of, his, signs of his displeasure or punishment. The psalmist says that the one who dwells in the secret place of the Most High has a refuge and a fortress in God. He doesn't banish us. He invites us. And finding mm. God in the secret can teach a heart to sing. You wrote that. You did a good job. Nice. <laughs>
God wrote that through it you. It is because... funny. There's times where I'm like, did I write that? You wrote that. <laughs> that came out of your mind onto the paper. But I, I, I really hope it ministers to whoever's listening right this moment that uh, even I, I, I'm concerned about that next generation that only has known social media, that's only known to be amazing. You have to start a non-for-profit and, mm-hmm. and have seven children that you love amazingly that are dressed adorably with all of the artisan cheese that your family makes themselves. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like everything's super special and noticeable and to be okay with not being noticed or to be okay with, you know, I I sat across from a a young mom and she was, that was a real struggle for her um, that all of her friends were off starting businesses and doing amazing ministries. And she just felt like, what she was doing was not important and mm. finding real dissatisfaction in her season of motherhood because it didn't feel as important as her friends who were moms too and doing amazing things. Yeah. And with you having four, with you having four and then doing the two again, I'm sure you felt a little bit of that with friends who all move on because they aren't, they're kind of out of the baby stage and you're kind of yeah. stuck there again. It feels stuck. I know that it can feel stuck when you're home more because you have nap times and nursing. And so what would you say to that mom who's feeling like everyone's moving on and everyone's doing big things and I'm here? You know, I'd say two things. One, you touched on it. I think that question, what is, what's important to God? Mm -hmm. And, and I think we could kind of gloss over that and that could be Christian. He's like, what's important to God. But like he made us to crave being seen and known and understood. Psalm 139 is all about that. I mean, even in Psalm 139, it says we were made in secret. Mm. So we were made to be seen. Like we crave being seen, not because we're these, you know, like flesh craving people who just like have to get what we want. We actually were made to be seen. But I would say that then the second part of that is, um, what does it feel like and look like to be seen by him? And if we're starting to go, man, where I am just stinks. Like I got to get out of this. Perhaps maybe the question is, is instead what is important to God and, and how does he see me right here? Yeah. And if I start to get that validation, cause that's the thing, you know, the day where I'm changing the laundry and I'm going, I feel like such a failure. And I'm, I wasn't even like, that wasn't really the thought. It was more so like, man, I screwed up there. I screwed mm-hmm. up there, you know, but I'm feeling like such a failure. And to then have like just a whisper from God that is, I like it when you're weak, you know, all of a sudden that changes how I feel about the laundry, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, wait, yeah. you have something to say to me here. I am seen. I am known. I am celebrated. And it's by you. And it actually isn't going to go, go away when my Instagram story goes away. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And, you know, and we've been talking a lot about staying at home with young kids, but there's also that mom who's would rather not be going to the exact same job every day. And it feels pretty unseen. Um, she'd like to be maybe making slime with her daughter at home instead of doing what feels like the mundane yeah. of another filing or another, you know, email sent out like that doesn't feel as important to God. Um, so we want to acknowledge that mom too, that's struggling with those Mm. moments. So for you, where did you find, you know, we talked about 
you're doing the laundry and, and God's talking to you. Um, and in your book, you talk about a season where you had a job and uh, it wasn't a ministry job and it allowed you a lot of time in his word and not for anything productive, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't just your morning quiet yeah. time. It was just time in his word. Um, what other ways have you found to kind of acknowledge uh, that that God sees you and that what he thinks about you is the only thing that matters? How do you reinforce that truth when the world wants to tell that's you a, a different story? That's a great question. You know, one of the things, um, and I, I can't remember if I talked about this on the first podcast, but this little habit of adoration has yes. been pretty significant for my heart. I had a friend about, I don't know, seven, 10 years ago, sat down with me and said, she's hearing me just talk about my life and probably hearing cynicism and pessimism because that's just kind of how I've always been. And yeah. she's like, hey, have you thought of doing adoration? And I'm like, well, sure. Adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, supplication. <laughs> You're a good Christian girl with the axe I'm prayer. Like, right. That's I right. Right. And she was like, no, like actually adoring God through his word. And she just invited me to consider it. And I kind of took it up as a little bit of a challenge. Like, okay, I'm going to try this new approach to his word. And so adoration for me was and is still becoming after all these years, my goodness, probably the thing that is impacting my private time in God the most, because it is me taking like my real self, not like my, I'm happy and an amazing mom at six 30 in the morning before any of my kids are awake. <laughs> and so that bringing that self to Jesus, yeah. but bringing like the three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm kind of pulling my hair out and I feel really grumpy and I'm sort of under the undercurrent is I'm frustrated with where I am and I'm taking that to his word. Mm-hmm. And I'm being honest with him about being vulnerable before God. Like this is, I'm really struggling and saying, God, I'm going to put your word in my mouth and I'm going to speak it back to you. And I'm going to ask you to change me in the process. So it is like carrying the laundry up the stairs and I'm looking at the jeans at the top of the pile going, I just washed these yesterday. This kid did not even wear them. She put them right back in the laundry. (laughs) Our water bill is so high because nobody's wearing their clothes. They just don't want to put them away. And so I'm washing them. Yes. Yes. I'm carrying it up the stairs and I'm feeling like, man, you know, six kids, how can anyone do six kids? God doesn't, you know, I feel like no one could possibly know this. And I, and I'm, but I'm adoring him because the verse I picked that morning was Psalm 139.1. You search me and you know me. And I'm going up the stairs. I'm going, God, this is really hard, but you search me right now. You know me right now. You didn't just know me at six in the morning when I was a great mom, because none of my kids were awake. You know me right now when I'm feeling frustrated and I'm feeling tired and I'm feeling spent and exasperated and you know me right now and you have words for me right now. I adore you, God, because you search me and you know me. I'm just taking that little piece of his word and applying it to three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm finding that, oh, if I let his word like kind of seep in there, you know, then I start to think, oh, he actually does have things to say to me in the unseen moments. It's not just that I need to grit my teeth and get through them. Mm. So good. Ugh, I could just listen to you. Let's just all repeat over and over again. We just need you to do a podcast with adoration repeated over and over again. <laughs> just like a minute or two. And they could be real quick and they'd be real quick and we just have them. Oh Ugh. man, I need it. I love how you talk about Jesus in here because it's the Jesus I've found most recently to just be the best. Um, I grew up in the church. Yes, I'd heard about Jesus my whole life, believed in Jesus, but uh, time and prayer with friends, prayer that wasn't Acts prayer, but more bringing 
our most hurt selves and broken selves before him and finding Jesus. I don't know if I've said this in a podcast before or not, but um, I've prayed with a lot of different women through a lot of different broken stories. Um, And anytime we invited Jesus to come in, like, Jesus, you're welcome here, show up. And they would like in their minds, I kind of see him and we, he, they would kind of describe what he's doing or in a situation. And he, his character, his manner was the same. These women hadn't talked to each other, you know, and it wasn't like it even matched some drawing or some picture or it was compassion, which we do see in the gospels. But, you know, it's not like we're reading the gospels right then. They're seeing Jesus. He's, he's kind He's not judging. He's not condemning. He is welcoming. He is empathetic. He's just as sad over the the most broken of things and situations. And I love how you just, in this paragraph you write, I can allow those who misjudge me to help me become more of a daughter who comes to her daddy in a whole new needy way when she's mistreated. Like, no matter what happens outside of us, we can go to Jesus, to our dad and to God and crawl up in his lap and be comforted by him uh, and recognize that we don't have to fear him stopping his love for us. (laughs) He's not going to say, oh, wait, that was too much. That, oh, they don't think well of you, then I don't think well of you. We have his love. And I think there's very few women who've, well... I don't know if there's very few women, but I think that it's it's more rare that women can fully embrace an unconditional love of God and understand what that is. That's it's hard. It's hard to do. It is hard. And you've had to walk your kids through it, too. Yeah. And I think it takes time, too. Mm -hmm. I think that's the you know, I write about this in the book, the white space. Mm -hmm. You know, we have so access to so many things to fill the white space. And Mm -hmm. I'm like the first one to raise my hand and say, (laughs) yes. You know, there is so many things that I could do to fill the white space of my day. And yet I feel like those are actually those unseen times. Um, You know, I use the analogy of like it's candy versus steak. The things that we could fill our time with just because, man, our life is full and and there's a, you know, there's five minutes here and. I could just scroll this or whatever. That's, that's candy. Not, not to say that it's not, that's terrible. My goodness. I love catching up on what my friends are doing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But the other side of it is that there's, there's still the invitation waiting from God going, you can come and see me really near to you right now, even in just five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, that this white space is actually the op- option to, to eat steak and it's really good. And I think so many of us have come from, harder things or gone through harder things. And it's hard to, to walk out the other side of that and believe that God is a good father. And so it's just easy to not kind of engage with him a whole lot. But Mm -hmm. I think what you're talking about is just this notion of actually, let me revisit why it's hard for me to engage with him as a good God Yes, and ask him to change my perspective of him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's that whole view that, I mean, we use the big word theology, but it is our theology that drives what we do. It's why we feel like mm-hmm. sometimes we need to do the productive ministry out thing, you know, and if we haven't yes. been healed of our view of God and we think, well, if I do this, then I'll be loved. Um, we get stuck there and it's hard to imagine. Can I just lay here on the couch and be loved by yeah. God? Yeah. In my sweatpants. 
Yes. This winter after my baby was born, um, I was kind of wrestling with a new layer of this and decided to go on what, what I, we call the productivity fast, which was naturally a little bit easier because I had a baby. And so there's just a <laughs> lot of time nursing. And, yeah. um, but really just consciously, I needed to know in a new and fresh way when I'm not producing, you know, I write about this in the book, but, but I feel like this is a message we live throughout our whole lives. It's the undoing of thinking God is waiting for us to make a big impact. Mm. You know, he wants it. I want my kids to change the world for God. I really do. But I want, I want their roots to be in deep before they try and grow that, those branches real tall and high. And I feel like there is this, you know, this space where we can say, I'm going to actually set aside the drive and just say, God, what do you think of me right here? So in my productivity fast this winter, it was more just a personal experiment. I want to see when I pare my to-do list down to just like three things and I let the laundry sit longer or I don't cook these amazing meals for dinner. And I just kind of, I, I do a B plus job of just, or a B minus job of just being a mom. Yeah. Lord, can, can I see what your eyes are on me? Like during this time. And it was so sweet to be like, man, I'm feeling unproductive. We're not eating these amazing meals. I'm not a Pinterest mom. And the Lord is actually really delighted in me because during the unproductive times, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, God, change my heart. You're the dad who's really just inviting me to sit on your lap because just you like me for me, not because of my amazing meal or motherhood or whatever it be. Do you ever deal with that struggle? I mean, there's you know, we've talked about all this and just being with him and the unseen is valuable. And, and then there's this whole message out there that, and I'm sure I'll, I've interviewed these people that we need to, to not just have faith, but have faith with works. Like we need to do things and faith without works is dead. And how do you battle those inner voices that are telling you, sure, yeah, rest now and don't be productive now, but you know, in a few years, you got to get, you got to get your act together because it's going to matter. You got to, he's going to call you up and got to do some stuff for his glory, all the churchy things. Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, I think for me, it's an order mm. there, there. I feel like it's a progression. And I think sometimes in our culture, because we have access to seeing what so many people are doing and access to actually do great things. Like yeah, truth. we can sometimes get out of step and we we put something out of order. I feel like, you know, I lead a Bible study of some younger women in their, you know, twenties and early thirties. And one of the things that I say to them sort of frequently is don't skip steps. Mm-hmm. You know, he even, he loves the baby and the three-year-old and the six-year-old that time really matters. He's not looking at the six-year-old going, why aren't you, um, conjugating verbs, you know, right. <laughs> like, right. why aren't you yet learning Greek? there is something about the development of a child that I think demonstrates the development of our hearts as people. And I feel, you know, to me, I think, man, if I grow in his order, meaning I invest in him and in his heart and in his word, in the quiet place, um, and in the secret place where nobody's seeing, and I start to even get my motives cleansed a little bit there, Yeah. then man, when he calls me to go to Africa and adopt two children, I'm on a plane. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it feels like, Oh Lord, this was your invitation. Not, I really feel like my life needs to have purpose. And so I want to drum up something to do to, to make me feel better. Yeah. And to yeah. look good. Yeah. Yeah. 
and to look good. And, and I mean, we just kind of have to say it. We're all people who are really aware of how we look. I mean, even like, come on, it's just in it's in our humanity that we really care a lot about how we look. <laughs> and you do such a good job of balancing, like you've already said, but I'll just say it again in case someone missed it. Balancing, you know, yes, God sees the unseen. And yes, he equally made us to want to be seen by him. And yeah, my most favorite example is your story of your daughter at her dance recital. And just, I mean, so beautiful how she was practicing. And Mm. I'll let you tell the story because you were there. I wasn't there. Yeah. So one of my sweet, one of my children brought her after we brought her home. She's a dancer. I mean, just she has the build of a dancer. She's got the grace of a dancer. And She's taking these classes to and getting ready to do her ballet performance. And she goes on and it's her first one. And, you know, they all have these cost, elaborate costumes. And and I noticed that within like the first minute, she's like a couple steps behind. And then she's even more steps behind. And she's not a, a, an experienced enough dancer to recalibrate. So she's just still doing all the steps. <laughs> but, you know, in the opposite direction and at the opposite time as the rest of the class. And as I'm watching this, you know, what's come, what's coming to me is like, you know, there's so many different angles. Like I know her teachers probably maybe feeling even a little frustrated because this is a great dance studio and, and it's sort of distracting from the other dancers. The other dancers, moms might be looking and going, wow, she's not going to be competition next year. you know. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And, and I might even be saying like, Oh, she's my daughter, you know, and, and look at her story. And there's a story behind that. But then I think, what does God see in her? Well, he sees this beauty and this wonder that he, of this person he created and he made her to dance. And you know what? He made her to dance in her own way. And yeah, it looks different amid all the other dancers, but he's seeing the lifetime of a person that came before that dance stage. She was a street kid two years before then. Mm. And he's looking at her dancing and she's all wrapped up in the moment. And you know, we never even showed her the video because I because I knew like if I showed her the replay that night would feel different to her because she'd know what she may have looked like on the outside. But it, for me, it was just a chance to go, oh, Lord, like it's all about your eyes and how you saw that night and how you saw that girl. And that that her on stage was was a something I've carried with me that during any different any given stage of life, I could evaluate it differently than Nate could evaluate it. My husband then someone on the outside could, but really there's only one set of eyes that gives the right, correct interpretation. And it's usually way more beautiful than we could imagine. I love it. I love it because sometimes we feel led to do something or um, pull away from something or give a commitment up that logically doesn't make sense to everyone else. And we feel like we mm-hmm. have to like give up the big, give the big explanation of why we're doing that or this and the other thing. And I think the more those roots are built in the more time we've spent with God the more clearly we've heard his voice over the voices of everyone else and the criticism and the chatter then we can more firmly hold to that dance we're doing with him and that step we're taking with him and not feel like we have to give an excuse for why it's happening we just yes and I would say that's the the more powerful we get. And I don't mean as humans, but I mean, as ones who exhibit display, carry out the power of God, Mm -hmm. the more I can attune myself to his voice, 
the more I do what he tells me to do. And sometimes it's unconventional and sometimes it's out of place or out of time, but that really is the life of the unseen. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Some of this growing roots is just establishing a connection where we know what he tells us to do and when he tells us to do it. And and it could be way more impactful than if we're just creating this little thing on the side because we feel insecure about our unproductive our lack of productivity. Ugh. Ugh. So good, Sarah. Man, where can people find you if they want to connect with you outside of this podcast and keep following you and all the great things you're doing? Uh, the unseen things and the seen things. Yeah, the unseen. I know. <laughs> oh, wow, that's not seen. How ironic. The unseen. And now I'll tell you where I'm seen. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Hager.net is my blog. And then I also, and I have a newsletter that I write a little more frequently than actually my public blog. Um, so you can sign up for my newsletter there. And then I'm also on Instagram, Sarah Hagerty writes. Um, and I'm on, you know, Facebook and Twitter too, but probably the most active place is Instagram. Yes. Much easier. Well, thank you, Sarah, for being here. Thank you for sharing some of your story. And y'all remember, you can hear even more and hear more about adoration over on episode 143. Appreciate you so much in this message and all those sweet babies you're loving. Babies and teenagers thank that you're you. loving. <laughs> thank you. I love what you do for moms. It's oh. a total honor to be on this. Well, thank you, Sarah, for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. If y'all are looking for daily prompts to do what Sarah shared, the adoration aspect of how she's gotten closer to God, go check out Sarah Haggerty Writes over on Instagram. Every day she posts a prompt for adoration. I noticed that on Sunday, yesterday, she posted that it was her birthday. So I think, and not just any birthday, a 40th birthday. So go to her post on Sarah Haggerty writes where it shows a picture of a hand, a beautiful hand lettered sign. It's an awesome quote. It says earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush a fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck back blackberries by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. That's where she shares that it's her birthday. And how fun to have GCM listeners just rally around Sarah and help this mom of six feel really special. So go over there and leave her a comment and tell her happy birthday. I also want to encourage all you moms who are helping with the Hurricane Harvey disaster relief. Every little bit matters. I hope that you didn't get um, choice paralysis. Sometimes that happens when a disaster and all these things come at us that we could do uh, and then we just don't do anything. I have seen so many beautiful, beautiful pictures. I know you have two of all ethnicities, all genders, all religions coming together and helping the people in Houston. Um, my husband's from Houston, so it comes a little bit, it's a little close to home when we see pictures of the flooding and a lot of their friends and family they grew up with have been impacted. And so we truly personally appreciate whatever money you've donated, whatever trips you've taken to Target to pick out diapers. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I also hope that there's some way we are able to help those suffering in Nepal, Bangladesh, India with the flooding they're experiencing. Um, their homes didn't look like the homes in Houston before their floods hit, and they don't quite have the resources and the neighbors to come in and help. It makes you recognize even more just we're born into a uh, place um, 
where we just, uh, gratitude needs to be right on our lips and that we can serve not just those in Texas and our neighbors there, but our neighbors across the oceans who are suffering right now. And as moms, if you are feeling like there's so much going on in the world and you're just changing diapers, do not underestimate that money that you donated to the Red Cross or that Amazon wish list that you helped provide for. No matter how small it may seem to you, to the person receiving it is huge. And be encouraged. God's using you right where you are. It doesn't have to be a huge, huge outward impact to have the impact that he needs to do in your home, what you're modeling for your kids, um, through your work, wherever you are right now. He sees you and he is pleased. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.